As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Welcome to the My Essential Birth Podcast. I'm Courtney. And I'm Stephanie. And we're professional doulas, childbirth educators, and the creators of My Essential Birth, the holistic, empowering online childbirth education course helping mothers everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. So join us each week as we share tips and advice for all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can be the first to get new content. And head over to www.myessentialbirth.com for more information about our birth course and to join a community of mamas just like you. Hey friend, we have something special just for you. We are so excited to offer a free live birth training. That's right. We will both be there and we want to see you there too. So head to myessentialbirth.com slash register and we'll see you in the training. Welcome to this week's podcast episode. We have a kind of controversial topic, but we had a lot of requests from you that this is something you wanted to hear about. So warning in advance, we're going to be talking about all things circumcision And we want to make it very clear, especially when it comes to our Instagram community, our online community, we don't tolerate shaming. And what we mean by that within our community is it is perfectly okay to state your point of view, maybe share the reasons. They can even be passionate reasons why you did or didn't do something. But if you are commenting specifically to an individual and targeting them, or you're just being plain rude and mean and nasty we're likely to delete those comments. (laughs) You've been forewarned. Yes, we tolerate nice in our community. We want questions. We want concerns. This is a safe place for you to share and express those without feeling beat up on. Yeah, and if you guys have like personal questions and things like that, absolutely send us a private message and we will deal with those separately. Um, Totally happy to go deeper into these with anybody who has very real concerns. But yeah, community-wise, it's a nice community for nice people. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. One of the things I love about this topic and really kind of any other controversial topics that we will cover, vaccines and circumcision, is that you're going to get two very different points of view here um, from Stephanie and I. We feel like we kind of represent both sides fairly well, and yet we're still friends, and we still get <laughs> along great with each other, and I think Stephanie is a great mom and vice versa, and we can we can coexist, people. Yeah, in fact, so we getting into this whole My Essential Birth business together didn't know we were so different on some of these views, and um, at first, even though it was a little little rough I think we've really come to see it as a benefit for each other and for the community as a whole because chances are you're going to listen to some of this and go oh I kind of feel the way Stephanie does or vice versa and that's that's okay we kind of want you to feel that way absolutely that's the point yeah and number one I think our number one thing here is that you feel support either way Mm -hmm. so Courtney why don't you get us started sure so I have three boys right in a row one two and three they were all boys 
when I found out we were expecting a boy, we were excited. We, I kind of had a feeling it was going to be a boy anyway. And as we started getting everything ready, I realized we were faced with a decision that mamas of little girls just don't have to worry about. <laughs> and that is, are we going to circumcise our son or not? And honestly, in that moment, I did feel a little envy, like, oh, if we were just having a girl, it would be so much easier. We wouldn't have to have this debate because my husband and I felt very differently on the issue. And so if that's where you're at, you're, you and your spouse feel differently about something, you're not alone. And I'll let you know how we worked through it. But first I wanted, I wanted to share with you where I was coming from. So I grew up in a family with, um, five girls and one boy. And so lots of sisters, my mom was an RN and my husband grew up in a family that had six boys and two girls. So lots of girls. So we're coming from two totally different sides of this issue. And what I had been told growing up were primarily two things. Number one, from my nurse mother, especially as I talked to her when I found out I was expecting a boy, she said, honey, just just get the circumcision done. I can tell you as a nurse that uncircumcised boys have so many issues with infections. I, you know, I've dealt with babies who came in, they just constant infections. You don't want to have that headache. Just Just don't go there. And I went, well, yeah, I don't want to have to worry about that. That makes total <laughs> sense. And then, you guys, I am—I was a total sucker for Seventeen magazine. Did you ever read that? As it, a, yes, but it was naughty. I know. <laughs> for, for a magazine aimed at teenage girls, yeah. I, I kind of regret some of those media choices I made as a kid. But the point is, I read those magazines, and I knew that according to the world's point of view, and according to— In a Seventeen ma—sorry— that we didn't like preface this. That, that was from a Seventeen magazine. Well, whatever magazines were lying around, Seventeen Glamour, I whatever. Just, that's like oh, okay. That's, that's crazy, crazy, right? That they'd be talking about it. I in know. A magazine. Okay, I okay. know. But anyway, uncircumcised penises are gross. They're disgusting. They get made fun of. You know, like that's that's the point of view that these magazines were pushing, at least at the time. So I had my mom telling me uncircumcision equals infections and I had the world's point of view going they're weird and they'll get made fun of and so I was adamantly on we are going to circumcise this boy (laughs) to save all kinds of headaches down the road I just I didn't want him being made fun of um but my husband was feeling like we shouldn't and he's so gentle and patient with me he knows that he can't just blast me with his opinion. He's kind of, <laughs> he's got to lead me down the path slowly. And he said, well, tell you what, will you just do me a favor? And will you talk to some of my family members? Cause I know that I've got some that, that haven't circumcised their kids and just get their take on it and see. I was like, okay, fine. So I did that. I talked to various family members who I knew hadn't circumcised their children. And I said, Hey, tell me about it. Do you like have a ton of infections? No, not a single of that. And we have, we have a ton of boys on my husband's side of the family. Not a single one had had that issue with, um, infection. So all of them uncircumcised, no infections. And I went, well, huh, this is different than the story that my mom's telling me. And so I started doing some research and realized that there were some discrepancies. What what my mom had been taught was that you need to forcibly retract oh. the foreskin on an uncircumcised penis to make, you know, to clean around it and those kinds of things. But it was forcibly retracting it and breaking those adhesions that often leads to the infection. So as I talked to family members, they were saying, if you just leave it alone, it'll be fine. You won't have any problems. 
And so that took care of that concern. And I thought, okay, well, I'm not worried about infection anymore, but I still don't want my son being made fun of in a locker room. I don't want him to put up with that. And I hesitated. I talked to Stephanie. Do I share this with you guys? She goes, yeah, go for it. (laughs) My husband said, honey, you don't have to worry about that. And I was like, well, no, I think I should. He goes, listen, in a boy's locker room, if someone is making fun of your penis, do you know how easy it is to turn that around on them? Like, dude, what are you checking out my penis for? Like, what are you? (laughs) He goes, trust me, I promise it's not an issue. And I went, okay. And so I was I was warming up to this idea of not circumcising our boys. And then kind of the, the nail on the head for me was that in the birth preparation class that I took, our instructor talked to us about some more moral points of view on why not to circumcise. And I'm not going to get into those right now in the podcast, but it definitely um, put me in a place then of, okay, we're, we're not going to do it and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, what so, was your experience? Yeah, like? I'm going to give my experience now. It was a little different. Um, I also have three boys right in a row. I can't seem to pop out that girl like you did. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> um, but I, so it wasn't even a thought. Like it wasn't like, that's just what you do. You just plan on the pediatrician doing a circumcision. And so we just did it. Um, so two of mine are circumcised. And then um, I have a baby that was born at home. And because he was born at home, we and my midwife came to see him and she did the well checks. Um, I didn't get into a pediatrician until about a month. And I, we just assumed at that point, my husband, same thing. He wanted to circumcise. You know, we had other kids that were circumcised. Um, but by that point, you know, I'd had this unmedicated birth all in the name of keeping my baby as safe as possible. That was my point in doing that, to bring them as safely into the world as I could. Um, and the thought of harming them in any way physically, I mean, I didn't even like the heel prick. Let's be real. Okay. Making my baby <laughs> cry does. in That's any way miserable. Yes, was like the worst. And with my first, like, so my husband, he, we made him, I made him go do the circumcision thing. But the second one I was in the room for, and I didn't see it, but those little cries are the worst. Just hearing your baby being pain is the worst. And I can't imagine watching it while it's being done um, for me personally. So anyways, um, we take him to the pediatrician and I say, oh, and we want him circumcised. And she was like, wait, what? Like, this is something that if you, and maybe some of you don't know this, if you plan to circumcise your baby, um, it has to be done within a couple of days. So I think it's like within 72 hours is Mm -hmm. the recommended time because all of their little, um, nerves start connecting their little pain nerves and it gets way worse. Um, so not that it's not painful before then, but it is much worse after to the point that they're not willing to do it. And what I was told is that at 18 months he could be put under and we could do circumcision then, which just seemed, I mean, that's crazy. Why am I going to knock my kid out for, for something superficial at that point? Mm -hmm. So we didn't, and we left it alone. Now, everything that I had read, um, and in the crunchy mama groups and all that kind of stuff said, don't touch it. Just kind of what you said, leave it alone, leave it alone. It's when you start breaking adhesions and stuff, or in other words, you know, retracting the foreskin, Forcibly, yeah. um, that that's when you start getting infections. So I did, I left it alone. But when I would go to my pediatrician who I vetted, who I absolutely love, um, who I trust, he told me, you have to pull this down. It has to break those adhesions. Otherwise, it can close up and we can have problems. And it doesn't close up all the way. But it will. Um, it can cause pain from from retracting later. So I, I appreciated his opinion because I did respect and like him very much. I still do. But I was like, but I'm just going to leave it alone. And so that's what we did. 
and now I've shared this recently, so this is a recent issue for us, but this poor little guy, when we took him in for what I thought was a UTI because the foreskin had some red and really irritated stuff going on in the front and hurt burned when he peed, um, I was told that it's not because of that, it's, it's, there's infection and we can't clean it and all of these things. So when he tried to retract, and mind you, it had been retracted by my pediatrician twice before when he was younger, and it would go down. Um, when we tried to retract this time, the hole was so tiny, there was no way. And forcible retraction at that point would have been extremely painful. So um, when we talk about forcible retraction, it is you physically pushing down on the foreskin, um, pulling back on that penis to have the head of it come through, but it shouldn't be painful. There's a difference. So if that hole is tiny and you're breaking adhesions to the point of pain, that's a problem. And I, I just have to interject here. What I was told was that most of the time, um, in fact, for most boys, the retraction of the foreskin revealing the head of the penis that they'll figure that out all on their own it's <laughs> you hear about little boys and it's like stop playing with it it's not a yeah. toy like leave it alone <laughs> they'll it'll it'll happen all on its own you don't need to worry about it but in your case in, in our case we did um yeah. if i had to redo it i would have retracted so that and that's just where you know there's a little bit of a difference there um because we did have issues i don't think i would have recommended doing it if we didn't have these issues so Keep that in mind. But anyway, so now we're having issues and it looks like he might have to have a circumcision, which is just kind of one of those things. So we wanted to bring that up though. And I feel like it's important because mm -hmm. number one, I think that things happen in our lives for a reason. And as I've said before, I think Courtney and I, because of the position that we're in sharing information with mothers, that I think it's important that you get all of the information, however real and disturbing or whatever it is. We want to give you both sides. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so keep in mind that even though I had issues, I know women and children that have not had issues and have left it alone and it's been fine. Um, and then on the other side, we've seen issues with circumcision. So we mm -hmm. wanted to hit on both of these points because, um, you know, having too much foreskin cut off can cause um, painful erections for the rest of their life. Or you, you had a situation that you brought I, up. Yeah, I've known at least a couple mothers who um, the either the circumcision didn't... Um, didn't go the way they expected or maybe they had a really inexperienced pediatrician doing it but they they got a botched job they um in one case the foreskin was only half removed and that's something now that this person had to decide in adulthood do i get put under and and have that fixed it's incredibly painful to have those things fixed as an adult um you know what do you do in those situations so we did some research how common is it to have problems when you've uncircumcised and how common is it to have problems when you've circumcised and honestly um it seems kind of even yep, on both they're sides about the same on both different they're, problems same same amount of problems right and, <laughs> and on both of them it's rare that problems occur it's not as common but but it's not so uncommon that you haven't heard of it so honestly if you're just looking at it from a complication standpoint it seems like a flip of the coin right. to me
As a way to honor all of the mothers on here, from now through Mother's Day weekend, you can grab the My Essential Birth course and get the new bonus birth affirmations track plus matching birth affirmation cards and get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot. Or you can be one of the first five to bundle and save grabbing the My Essential Birth and Postpartum course. And I will personally send you a handmade 100% muslin cotton belly bind with your bonus tutorial video. Plus you get all the bonuses from before the birth affirmation track, matching birth affirmation cards, and you get entered to win one of three goodies from Docatot, totaling $247 worth of goodies. Head to myessentialbirth.com forward slash get started and join me in the birth course today. Happy Mother's Day. Okay, I did want to take a moment and talk about the ways that a boy can be circumcised though, Mm -hmm. because I had two separate ways that my sons were circumcised. Um, and one I would absolutely do again. And the other was just terrible. Um, so the first one is, um, the metal clamp. And I, of course, I'm blanking on the name right now, but basically, um, they stick the foreskin over the clamp and slide kind of like a circular knife around it and clip the foreskin off very quickly. And then the healing time is like, I think seven to 10 days. It might Mm -hmm. even be a little less than that. And all you do every time you change a diaper is a bunch of Vaseline all over it, or we've got some natural stuff that can be used in in place of Vaseline. Um, Something that coats it so it doesn't stick to the diaper as it's healing. And also to kind of protect it, because if you can imagine, you have an open wound and then you're peeing peeing all over yourself. (laughs) That doesn't feel good. So Yeah, so a little safety protection there. Um, That would absolutely be the way that I would recommend if you're planning to do it. That is the route that I would go because of the experience with my second. Now, with my second, they didn't have an option for the clamp. The pediatrician that I went to, um, he only did the Plastibel. And the Plastibel is a small plastic covering that fits over. Um, the penis and then the foreskin is pulled around that and a rubber band is put on top of the foreskin that sucks it tight to the penis um, or to the plastibel to the plastic portion so that it cuts off circulation and that foreskin eventually dies and falls off so that seems like the more comfortable option if Mm -hmm. there were such a thing because you know after amount of time it's numb and all of that Anyways, what they don't tell, or what they didn't tell me, I was going to say what they don't tell you, but maybe they do tell you. What they didn't tell me is that every time, so once that the foreskin was off and the plastibel, so it all kind of falls off together. Every time my baby went to the bathroom though, you had to pull the foreskin, um, not the foreskin, the base of the penis away from the top so that it didn't reconnect to, does that make sense? So that the base Mm -hmm. of the penis, that skin did not reconnect to the top. So I am not joking that I had to do this with my son for nine months. And after nine months of having to pull, it would pop and it would, I'm sure, burn and it looked terrible and he would cry. And after nine months, it was finally healed. But I'm telling you. I'm just curious. I have to, I'm sure that he had well baby visits in between. What did your pediatrician? Just keep popping it. Oh my gosh. You just got to keep popping it. Wow. Yeah. So it was extremely painful for him. It was awful. He wouldn't, like when it was diaper time, it was like, get away from me. And I don't blame him. Could you imagine? Just awful. Um, One more thing I wanted to mention, and this is just kind of a random fact. So I actually had a girlfriend who's, it's like her mom or aunt or whatever. Um, She works in, like she does surgery for circumcisions. This is what she does all day long in and out. 
Um, and so obviously her take is like the same, like your RN's mom, but I, I'm bringing this up for a point, <laughs> but, and, and so she's like, yeah, like circumcision is the way to go. Cause all day long I'm dealing with people that have to have corrections and have to like be circumcised for infection and all of this stuff. But I wanted to point that out because when you brought up, like, for example, your RN mom, I thought, well, of course these people, you're seeing the ones They're all seeing the, the complications. Time. Yes. They're seeing, yeah, when we say it's a small percentage it really is, but they've got but to go see they're seeing the small percentage <laughs> right. all the time. So exactly. for them, it's the larger percentage. So yeah, yeah I just it seems like a that. bigger problem than maybe it actually is. Right, That's exactly. So we've shared my experience, Stephanie's experience. We've talked about if you're going to circumcise, you recommend the metal clamp. We, I felt it was important here just because I want you, whether you are planning to circumcise, I want you to understand some of the moral points of view that you might hear. Um, but I also want to share some things with you in case you're kind of on the fence about it and maybe these will feel important to you and maybe you're going, nah, I don't really believe that. So one of the things that, that seemed interesting to me is that it seemed a little bit like a double standard. Um, you know, we view female genital circumcision as mutilation of those parts. How horrible that anybody would do anything to a girl's private parts. But yet we do the same thing to a boy's private parts. Um, and from research, it shows that sometimes there is a loss of sensation or nerve endings. And But everybody seems to be okay with that. So it seems a little bit like a double standard. We call it mutilation in girls. We call it circumcision in boys. Another thing to consider here in the U.S., and this made me feel a little bit better too as I researched with our first, is that it's really actually uncommon if we look at the world population to circumcise. In most countries, they don't circumcise. And as the U.S. continues to welcome people from different places and kind of becomes more of a melting pot, I would say that it's about 50-50 now in the United States of men who are circumcised and men who aren't. So if that was a concern for you about, I don't want him to be the odd man out, so to speak, I, I would really tell you not to worry about that. Um, really, the populations in the world that do circumcise are going to be um, for people who do it for religious reasons, and then here in the United States. And um, I am on the other end of that where I don't see it as mutilation. So um, my argument against that is that female mutilation is done in a way that is meant to take away sensation on purpose for a religious reason. And that circumcision is done for many different reasons, but never that I have heard of to, to harm their child in any way. And so um, as far as sensation and things like that, I mean, I can't speak to that. And I'm sure that would likely be coming from somebody who had had foreskin prior and for whatever reason had mm -hmm. to have a circumcision and so could literally tell Felt you like there was both sides. Right. Um, but I, I think that's important too because I know there are people on the other end that do not see it that mm -hmm. way at all. And so, um, yeah, just like we've said before, we support either way. We, yep. we know that you are moms and you are doing the best that you can to make the best decisions for your babies because you love the heck out of them. And we do too. And so it's totally okay to have those differences of opinion and to trust your mama instincts. Right. One of the things that you kind of alluded to when you were sharing your experience and one of the arguments that I've heard, well, you know, they're not really going to remember. 
mm-hmm. you know, this circumcision that they have. And um, one of the arguments, and I'm just putting this out there, and it sounds cruel and it's horrible, and we would never, ever, ever dream of doing these things to a baby, but a baby also wouldn't remember then being burned or abused in some kind of way, physically, sexually. So we don't, I don't feel like that's a great argument. And do, well, they're not going to remember it anyway. Well, there's a lot of things they probably wouldn't remember. So I don't feel like that's a really fair argument in favor of circumcision. Well, I would say by itself, I agree with that. However, um, if you're doing something because you believe it's for the good of the child, then using that as a reason is just um, like a, not an excuse, like a positive reason to also do that thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. If we're just looking at it, though, from a physical pain standpoint, then that would would be. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that something um, I've started recommending to mamas and something that I would absolutely commit to doing myself if I have another child and decide to circumcise is to watch one. I think that that's mm. fair to um, yeah. to ask a mother to to watch the procedure that is going to be happening to their child. Now, whether or not you plan to be in the room for whatever reason when it is your child, I highly believe one of the partners should be there, mom or partner. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if that is something that you're considering, I, I just think it makes sense to know exactly what goes into it. And I would watch an actual one on an actual baby because it's different watching a procedure on an, an animated, animated portion yeah. than it is seeing it on a child. Yeah, I agree with that. So if you're planning on circumcising, watch one. YouTube has plenty on an actual baby. And and just make sure that you still feel okay with proceeding. Another um, opinion that we want to talk about, kind of moral opinion, is that it's a violation of a child's right um, to what happens to their body. And I actually appreciate that sentiment 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not I would decide to do one way or the other, um, there there is a major part of me that says, but this is their body, and if they choose to do that. Now, that can get a little tricky if we're going to talk about what is covered, you know, financially and things like that. Maybe they do decide to want to have a circumcision, but now it's going to be, you know, a cosmetic procedure, and there's all these, you know, you could go into a bunch of stuff with it, but I think there is absolutely something to the fact that it's their body, Um, and they can't have a say in it when they're a little infant. That's true. We wanted to conclude with the position from the American Academy of Pediatrics because I feel like it's pretty, um, I feel like it's as neutral as you're going to get from a health organization on something. And so here's their official stance, and, and we'll kind of talk about this in a minute. So they say existing scientific evidence demonstrates potential medical benefits of newborn male circumcision. And so they might be referring to how there's less incidence of HIV in a circumcised penis, things like that. However, these data are not sufficient to recommend routine neonatal circumcision. Ooh. <laughs> oh, snap. I mean, I'm just kidding. You know, know. We, we come from both sides. In, circumst- in circumstances in which there are potential benefits and risks, and there are to both sides, Yet the procedure is not essential to the child's current well-being. Parents should determine what is in the best interest of the child. American Academy of, the Pe- American Academy of Pediatrics, I'm going to high-five you on that one. I feel like <laughs> that was the most beautiful way to phrase it. If you are living in an area where you're concerned about sexually transmitted infections, not that circumcision prevents all of those necessarily, but there is a lower incidence of HIV mm-hmm. in a circumcised male, you kind of have to evaluate your own situation, your own child, but I love how they say that it's not it's not essential to the child's well-being and they can't right. recommend routine circumcision 
and so the parent is left up to the parent is left to do what they think is best for their child. Right. Well, and yes, I, you know, the other part of that and what I'm sure many of you are seeing as you're having your babies now is not all insurances are even covering this. They are considering it a cosmetic procedure for what you just talked about there. Yep. Not necessary, but to each their own. Yes. So we hope this episode has been really good for you guys, that it's given you a lot of information to digest and mull over and think about. We absolutely want to keep the conversation going with you. So again, if you want to hit us up, you can either email us at hello at myessentialbirth.com or you can head to at myessentialbirth. That's our Instagram handle and you can send us a DM. We are happy to keep this conversation going. And if you are expecting a little boy and maybe you and your partner are not seeing eye to eye on how to proceed here, Listen to this podcast episode together, pause it when we bring up a different point of view or a different point and discuss how you each feel about it. We're hoping that this can help you reach a conclusion that you both feel good with. Hey friend, we have something special just for you. We are so excited to offer a free live birth training. That's right. We will both be there and we want to see you there too. So head to myessentialbirth.com slash register and we'll see you in the training. All right, mamas, we will be back with more tips and advice soon. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe so that you get notifications first about new episodes. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for more information on the birth course and to join our online community serving pregnant mamas just like you.